Hey everybody, this is Authentic Deb with another episode of the Authentic Deb podcast. Today we are doing another segment of Can You Pray the Gay Away with my good friend Kenanaya. I've known Kenanaya since I think about 2012. Met him in Dallas and our travels have taken us all certain places. Uh, one of my favorite memories, Kenanaya, is just sitting out in Dallas with you and Susan and just kind of, I don't know what we were eating, pizza or whatever, and just kind of talking the day away and shared a lot of stories back then. But without further ado, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, what you're about, and really just share whatever you want to share and we'll see where the conversation takes us. Okay. Uh, well, my name is Kenaniah Flowers. Um, I am 59 years old. I will be 60 next month. I can't believe that I'm fixing to be 60 years old. That's just crazy to me. But um, I, um, I live in Savannah, Georgia with my wonderful partner, Britton. We have been together for almost 10 years. And um, we uh, have uh, lived way out in the country uh, on a dirt road and surrounded by woods and just love it here. It's very peaceful. Um, we've been very sheltered with everything that's going on in the world right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but we lived in Dallas. We lived in Panama City. We lived in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, and we moved to Savannah, Georgia three years ago and started an embroidery business, Savannah Stitches. Um, and so that's, that's what we do right now. We, we sell uh, vintage trucker hats with all kinds of designs on them and um that we have two 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 little yorkies two rescue yorkies i've and, seen them um, yeah i've seen the hats yeah, i kind of want them all that's my problem maybe i'll have you make me an authentic deb hat with my oh, with my yeah. with my logo or something that would be cool oh sure we can do that we're we're making one right now for Catherine pena okay you know Catherine? no do you know, but i just you know penny stretcher uh-uh you don't know Penny or Catherine? Oh, my word. You are missing two of the most wonderful people in the world. Okay. Got well, to, I've got to introduce you. Yeah, you have to introduce they me. They live but, in Dallas. Okay. And, and Catherine, Catherine helps small businesses market on Facebook. Oh, then I definitely need to meet her. <laughs> yes, she's, she's quite amazing. Awesome. Well, at the end of the show, too, and in the show notes, we will have your links to Savannah Stitches and anything else that um, – you want to put in there to help people um, connect either with GLBT resources in the Georgia area or, you know, as well as your own personal business and stuff like that. So we'll make sure and have all that stuff in there for everybody so they can order some hats and whatever else you can put on the table. So that's awesome. Yeah, I've seen a lot of your hats. and I'm like, man, I bet an authentic Deb hat would be cool. Still kind of working on redesigning some logo stuff. So, you know, it's a work in progress. But anyways, sure. um, you know, this forum is for you kind of to share whatever you want, wherever place in your life you want to share um, with the people. My belief is that whether it's whenever I post this interview or a year from now or two years from now, somebody's going to come across this and going to resonate with your story, resonate with what is spoken with. And you and I, as you're almost 60 and I'm 57, we've been through some stuff. And if I know that your heart is as well, if we can help anybody, whether they're our age or especially the younger generation, um, get secure in who they are quicker, um, then that's a job well done. Well, you let me know. just say you wear 67 very well. 57. I, 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 oh, oh, 57. I was going to say, girl, you don't even look close to that. Well, good. Because 57, you know, that, uh, that's closer to what I was thinking you were. Uh, oh, so I look you, 57 you is what you're trying to say. I said 67, and I'm sitting here in my mind going, there's she, no way. She's <laughs> rocking it for 67, right? <laughs> yeah. What, what, I, what I, I need I, you I to say is, that good at 60. <laughs> girl, what I need you to say is you're amazed that I'm 57. So you, you have a chance to redeem yourself here. But okay. Yeah, no, you're a couple years. <laughs> you're a couple. I want you to say like, damn, you look like you're 45. That, that would have been okay. <laughs> Yeah. Damn, you look like you're 45. Bam. Now you're reinvited to be a guest again. Yeah. So just men, for my listeners, you know, men, you kind of got to 
you gotta gotta train them gay straight don't matter you kind of got to train them in the right things to say us women so uh you've redeemed yourself no now i i am very hard of hearing okay well we'll we'll give you that so So, it's not okay Serious. Oh, it's I believe crazy you. How hard of well, it's so. not the fact that you heard me wrong, but that I had to kind of coach you in saying <laughs> how good I looked for 45. So uh, well, that's where you're being judged just a little bit, but it's okay. Uh, I'm okay. secure enough. It's all right. And we know that women have to train men no matter what their sexuality. Well, so no doubt about that. consider there's yourself no trained. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your store self and whatever part of your story you want to share. Okay. So um, I, I knew from a pretty early age that I was different. I did not know that I was gay. Um, but I knew I was different than my two brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two brothers and a sister. And um, I was never interested in the same things they were interested in. And um, so at a pretty early age, I kind of became a little ostracized. Um, And my dad and I never really had a great relationship growing up. Um, I didn't find out until I was 18 that that's because I wasn't his son. Oh, and, wow. Uh, Not his natural yeah. son. Yeah, I found that out in an argument. But um, Oh, wow. So, you know, that that was uh, explained a lot. It did not make me angry. I was it, it really answered a lot of questions that I always had growing up. How old were you again when this happened? 18. 18. That's, yeah. that's quite a shock, though. But it answered some yeah. things for you. Okay. Yeah, it 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 did. It it opened my eyes to a lot of things, and a lot of things made sense after that. Once once I found that out, um, I understood then why some animosity from him. I understood why he favored my brothers over me. Um, there were just a lot of things that clicked and made sense after that. Were you the oldest? Um, Oh no, I have a I have a brother that's two years and two days older than I am. That is the natural born of your father that you thought was your father growing up? Yes. I'm trying to get the family dynamic. So something happened in the middle there. Which yeah. is which okay. I got you. I'm not trying yeah. to get too personal, but I'm trying to put the pieces uh, yeah. together. And then I then I have a sister that is by my father and a little and a, a younger brother. So there came your brother first, and then you came, but you're not his, and then the sister and the brother. So you were right. the child that happened outside of him, okay? Right. Right in the middle, right. okay. Right, right. So, so that's that. Um, I, um, so my parents were not church people when I was growing up. Um, and my grandparents were, my, my father's parents were. They would come get us on Sundays and take us to church. My parents partied a lot. And when I was in the fifth grade, they became friends with some people that they partied with a lot. And they had a houseboat and a camp and we spent a lot of time with them in the summer. And they had an older son who was, I think, about a year older than my brother. So at the time, I was 10. He would have been 13 or 14 at the time. Mm-hmm. And so um, as, as younger boys will do, you know, he kind of, um, I say that, I excuse, that's, that's like an excuse. Um, he, he molested me. Um, and kind of convinced me that this is just what guys do until they get married. And, this is your uh, older brother. Not my brother. Your cousin. No, his friend. That, his friend. My, parent, my parents' friend's son. Okay. Okay. Sorry. My I had a yeah, I had a senior moment. Okay. So you're. Okay. Yeah. You had a 45 year old moment. Yes. 45. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. That works. <laughs> um, so. Uh, yeah, that, that happened, and um, that went on for a period of time, several years, probably until 
I was in about the eighth grade. Uh, and then when I was in eighth grade, I realized that that really was not true. It's not what guys do until they get married. And I put a stop to it. Um, and then we were at, we were at, uh, his parents' house and our parents went, were out and it was probably like two o'clock in the morning. I, I went and laid down in his bed and he came and got in with me. I'm not going to go into any details of anything, but, uh, my dad walked in on us and kind of caught us and turned the light on and um, turned the light back out off and left and never oh. said a word, never said a word about Wow. It. Let me ask you a question. How old were you? At that time, I would have been probably 15. Okay. So... I heard that this started earlier and by the time you were in eighth grade that you realized that that's not normal, what all guys do, meaning normal that all straight men don't necessarily do that. But you also mentioned, so I want to unpack this for a moment, that you knew from an early age that you were different. So yes. what was happening in your mind between, I guess two questions, between uh already knowing before you even met this individual that you were different and then the molestation because that's what it is so we need to call it what it is right uh, being already gay if you didn't have a word for that does not and for the people listening does not minimize or make molestation of a child okay period Right. There's never it took me a long time to figure it, that out. There's yeah, there's there's never an excuse for that. It's never okay to violate a child. Period. Physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, whether you felt that you were different or not. And then you called it off, but when you were around 15 and this thing happened, Whatever interaction that was going on with you, were you a willing, because I'm hearing you say you called it off, but then this thing happened. Well, yeah. So before I we even talk about your father's silence, unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah. I mean, so, not the so, details. So but. definitely, definitely I became a willing participant during, during this time. Um, be, before this, before I, before the eighth grade. I certainly became a willing participant. And is that because you um, knew that that's what you were attracted to? No. Okay. Because I still, at that time, I just bought into the fact that that's what guys do. I, 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 I did not realize that I was gay until I was 18. Okay. Got you. And that comes from, well, we'll get there. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, I, um, I did become a willing participant, and then, like I said, around around eighth grade, I, I put a stop to it. Um, then this time happened, and we, we we might have fooled around a couple of times after that, but not long after that, because he ended up getting married, got a girl pregnant, got married, and our our friend our parents quit being friends, and we just went in different circles and wasn't around him anymore. Um, so I've laid all those thoughts to rest as best as I could. Um, I joined a new church, um, quit going to the one that my grandparents went to, uh, which was a very small church, very conservative church. And I went to a larger conservative church, but liberal by, by standards of the one uh -huh. that I grew up. And, um, had some great friends there and was able to mask my feelings for a long time. Um, dated a few girls um, and just really put out of my head what my true feelings were. It was that because of the church or just because being oh, an almost 16-year-old man, even if you weren't religious, that wasn't safe back then. 
it's not safe now still, but it wasn't safe well, back well, then. Well, no, there's, there's a couple of reasons. Um, I, I, oh, I'm going to have to plug up. Hold on just okay. one second. Okay. Um, uh, so I didn't say growing up, my, my dad was, um, was a very, um, masculine man. He was an iron worker. Mm -hmm. He, um, he belonged to the KKK at one point. Um, wow. That's a whole uh, different podcast. He was, he was very, um, homophobic and very, um, very racist. Um, but really what I consider a typical Southern man who thinks mm -hmm. that they rule the world. So him walking in on you when you were around 15 and turning the light on, turning it back off was. Was very, um, confusing to me, except for the fact that in my mind at that point in time, it, it meant that what Joe told me, this is just what guys do until they get married was true. Hmm. Because so it, he never mentioned it to me. So you can, so that like in your mind confirmed that maybe it was all right. Correct. Com to, to me, it, it confirmed that it, it, it can in the beginning, it confirmed to me that, well, okay, so this is just what guys do. Because he never said a word about it, you know. Interesting. Um, later on, when I did really realize, then I had a lot of trouble with why he didn't ever say anything. So, you know, in my mind, I, I, I wrestled with that for a long time. Do you have a relationship with him now? Uh, he's deceased. Okay. Did you ever have a relationship with him? Uh, we mended somewhat. Um, I didn't speak to him for probably five years. And then, um, we kind of, kind of mended that. We were on again and off again throughout my early adulthood. Um, and then when I had kids, we, we, we kind of reconnected, um, he came to my house a couple of times in my life, not many, three or four times. Um, but then when he got sick, I kind of became his, um, his caretaker. Wow. Really. I, I took him to all of his cancer treatments. Um, I, I really did everything. Even after he passed away, I did a succession. I did everything. Wow. My, my, my siblings, were so close they couldn't handle it. Okay. And um, where was your so mom? So it all kind of fell on my shoulders, and I just I I did all of it. Where was your mom? Well, they were divorced. Okay. They got divorced um, when my little brother graduated high school. Okay. So uh, that would have been let's see, I probably was twenty four when they got okay. divorced. Twenty three or four. So here we are at 18, well, 15, you're figuring out, well, at that time, your dad's response kind of confuses you even more, which, you know, without him being alive, we'll never really fully know his mind unless he told you. Then you move on to 18, you find out that it's not your father, that your blood father, which answers a lot of questions as far as the distance you felt or or how you were raised or the favoritism or whatever what was your relationship like with your brothers and your sister younger years my oldest brother and i were very close as we got older got into elementary school um i think he was embarrassed by me uh as a lot of times you know were you different I mean, I, were you, do i were you different were you quiet or what were you just um, not athletic and didn't fit the stereotype? Or? Definitely was not athletic. Um, he was. He was everything I was, and I always okay. heard that growing up. He spoke before I did. He walked before I did. Um, I had trouble in school. He, he, he could come home. He never opened a book and made straight A's. Okay. Never That's studied. a hard bill to I, measure I up to. Study, 
I had to study for every grade I got. Okay. Um, just did not come natural to me. I just really had to study hard. Um, then I don't know. I probably when I was 11 or 12, about the time that I was going through all this with Joe, who was the, the guy who molested me. Um, I, um, began seeing all the differences between me and my brothers and my sister and how I was treated and all these different things. And when you're a kid, you read into everything, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I noticed, you know, my brother was named after my grandfather. My sister was named after my mother. My little brother was named after my dad. I wasn't named after anyone. Okay. Yeah. That's so, a big red flag, isn't it? So for me, yes, it was like, well, what's wrong with me? Why, why, right. why was I not good enough to be named after someone? There were other people, you know, and, and so um, things like that um, drove a wedge, I think, between me and my siblings. Uh, my sister was certainly the daddy's little girl. She could do no wrong. Um, she's a wonderful person. She and I have a great relationship That's today. Good. Um, my little brother was funny and everybody was attracted to him and wanted to be around him, you know? And like I told, said before, my, my older brother was just the manly man, straight A baseball, um, homecoming King, probably, (laughs) you know, I I don't think he, I, I don't think so. I think by the time he got in high school, he was into this redneck goat roper scene oh, in okay. Louisiana. you know he wore western clothes and cowboy hats and all that good stuff um so but but he was still he had a big group of friends yeah i never had a big group of friends i was friends with one or two people growing up my whole life i i never had a large group of friends and purposefully i think for a a, a a, a lot of it because um, I tried to keep my um, I tried to keep my feelings down and I tried to keep me keep from getting hurt so yeah. I chose not to have a lot of friends I think you know I realize I did that now too but for completely different reasons as far as there was no sexuality issue at the time but it's interesting that you say that because I've come to that realization that I put people at arm's length for the very thing that I wanted. Yeah. You know, which was a closer relationship, you know, friends, but um, it's just interesting. And, and there are reasons for that. And some of them are similar with yours and some aren't, but that you saying that just reminded me of the, what I've been thinking lately of how ironic it is that when I was a kid, there were certain things I wanted, but if I look back at my life, I'm the one that, Push it away. To protect myself. Right. Right. Pushed it away and wondering what was wrong with me at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and at that same time, that that um, growing up the way I did and having the issues that I did, I, I became a people pleaser. Um, I found out early on, I think, that the only way I could get attention was to please people. Yeah. And so that became a, uh, a crutch, you know, um, I would do without to make someone else happy. I would, I would, I would give my things away. Oh, wow. Make, yeah. To make someone else happy. You know, if <sighs> I got money, if I got any money, I would buy my mother something or I'd buy my brother something. Right. I, you know, I, I always was, you know, I, I mean, I, I've, I've struggled with that my whole life is uh, doing more for other people than for right. myself. So when, so let's, so when you got, yeah, and I, I relate to that. What I find doing these podcast interviews is I find all these other topics to do interviews on because they're all, you know, we're all unique, but we're not different. We're right. all unique, but we all have a story and some of them overlap. Um, so you're 18. Did you go off to college? Did you start living when did when did you really figure out um i'm actually a gay man so when i was 18 i um i did go to college and i was living on my own 
trying to pay for school. I, I did not have a good guidance counselor in high school. I did. I had no one that told me anything about how to get student loans, how to get a grant, anything. So I was working 40 hours a week trying to put myself through college. Wow. And I just could not do it. It was right. just too much. So I had an uncle that worked for Walmart and got me an interview. And I drove to Bentonville, Arkansas, had an interview. By the time I got back home, I had an offer in the mail mm -hmm. from Walmart to go to work um, in Cleburne, Texas as a manager trainee. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually became the youngest assistant manager at the time that Walmart ever had. Um, I got promoted after three months of being a manager trainee to an assistant manager and I moved to Moore, Oklahoma. Um, that is about the time that I really began to str real struggle with my sexuality um, because I wasn't going to church. When you work for Walmart, especially then. Jeez, um, oh, I can't even imagine. Oh, my gosh. And then, see, they would not allow you to work within 100 miles of your hometown. Um, you could not date anyone in the store. Mm -hmm. uh, you couldn't date anyone in the same district. So when you're 18, 19, 20 years old and you're working 70 hours a week, the people you know is the people you work with. Exactly. And you weren't allowed to date anybody. Correct. Correct. So um, being in Oklahoma City, uh, more Oklahoma is surrounded by Oklahoma City. Um, I found a couple of bars I went to and um, had a had a one night stand with a guy and really realized then that 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 I was gay. Mm -hmm. um, but I never actually said the words to myself. Fast forward a couple of years, I left Walmart, I moved back home. My mom and dad were divorced at this time. I was staying with my mom and I was all of my friends that I had from high school had gotten married and moved on. They were, uh, I wasn't friends with any of them any longer. Well, friends, but not hangout friends, you know? Yeah. So, um, I went to a bar one night in, in Monroe, Louisiana. And when I got home that night, I remember standing in my mother's living room by myself going, Oh my God, I'm gay. And I just, it, that was the first time that it really dawned on me because I had believed all this time that this is just what guys do. And then this time it was like eye opening because the first, the first bar I went to in, in Oklahoma was not a full bar because I wasn't old enough to go into a full uh -huh. bar. It was kind of like, they only served beer. They couldn't serve alcohol. And it was really for minors. It was yeah. for, it was for 16 to 20 year olds. So, um, which I never even knew they had such a thing, but, um, so it wasn't as eye opening as it was when I went to the bar in, in Monroe. Mm -hmm. and by this time, by this time I was 21. Um, and it, really was quite well i'll just say I, I i took a bunch of pills that night and um hope not to wake up in the morning so okay we'll make sure for the podcast we put some spoiler alerts in but thank you for sharing that because i think that so let's oh for one i'm glad that you woke up without making light of anything. So you went to the bar at 21 you had a one night stand and that's when it really started to kick in that you weren't just doing what single guys did before they got married, that you were actually attracted to the same sex. Yeah. So you came home to your mom's house and kind of had a freak out moment in the living room and ended up taking a bunch of pills. What was it? Was it the God issue? Was it just the, Oh my God, I'm, I'm living in the South and somebody's going to come along and kill me. What, what was, well, I can't be gay. 
Yeah. I, I can't be gay. I can't be gay. Everybody that I know would would um, abandon me. Everybody that I know would would turn against me. Um, you know, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have anyone. So um, you went to one, that place knew, before and, and, even and, and receiving the rejection. Rejection. This thing I've, at the fear thing, of rejection. That's the thing that I have struggled with my whole life because <gasps> because of my my dad my relationship with my dad. And I know because you and I have talked some. So I guess what I was getting at because I didn't know this part of the story. You already had some rejection from your dad. You didn't know why, but it couldn't have been all about the gay thing because there's a lot more about that as far as whatever your mother did out of wedlock, you know, married to your dad. There's more to that story, which is a separate story, not to minimize it at all. But you're telling me as a 21-year-old man before you've even had rejection about being a gay man, because you're just coming out to yourself that that was so overwhelming of the fear of rejection that you took a bunch of pills that night. Yes. Okay. But you did wake up. Did woke did, up with a headache and tinnitus and I've had tinnitus ever since. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, it, it could have been way worse. So did your mom, nobody knew that you had tried to do this to yourself? No. So then you're walking around with that on top of everything. Yeah. How did you feel when you woke up? Were you glad that you woke up or were you pissed? No, I was mad. I was mad. Yeah. Because it would have been easier to be gone than to be gay. Uh-huh. Okay. I've had that feeling. I've never done yes. that, but I've definitely had the feeling when I was first dealing with it. That I used to think that maybe God would just give me an aneurysm. And I would just die, but I wouldn't have to shame anybody. I wouldn't have to shame my family. I wouldn't have to, you know, I would sit there and look out the window and maybe think, well, maybe somebody will just have road rage and kill me. I didn't want to die. But I, and this is, you know, only 20 years ago, but the thought, the mere thought of going through the shame and the ridicule, even in, oh, where are we? 1990 wherever I'm, I'm 1990 20 2010 oh my yeah. god well maybe even yeah 1997 you know even the thought that that could be real in my life the thought of putting my son through that or my mom and dad or my husband at the time any of that was like uh, uh just shoot me now you know just uh even though i didn't want to die it was like well at least if something happens to me it'll just be a tragic accident that's what I used to think. Like, if something happens to me, it'll be a tragic accident, but nobody will have to go through this scarlet lesbian letter on them of, oh, my God, my mom's a lesbian or, my, you know, my daughter's a lesbian. I mean, I went all these scenarios in my head. Oh, yeah. Well, I had all that again later. Yeah. So you finished college and you get married? Let's fast forward a little bit. I didn't. I didn't finish college. I okay. came home. I, after Walmart, I got another job. Um, I was working in a grocery store. I I had I dated a guy. Um, the first guy that I really dated. Mm -hmm. um, and he was a couple of years younger than I was. Than I was. Um, I was twenty one. He was seventeen. He turned eighteen. Um, and we broke up and it just really broke my heart because I just really, I loved him. I mean, I really loved him. Um, nobody knew. My parents mm -hmm. didn't know. Nobody, nobody knew. He, he lived in the next town over. And so I would drive over there and see him or he would come see me. Um, we would go out um, to this, this one bar that we would go to. Um, we just... Um, had 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 a great year and a half or so mm -hmm. um, before we broke up, and then when when we broke up, um, I thought about a lot of things. You know, I knew I wanted kids. Mm -hmm. I love kids. Um, I always thought I wanted to be married. Um, I was so totally hurt by him, and there was a lot of things that I didn't like in the gay world that I saw. You know, yeah. I didn't like to see that. 
this couple were together this week and next week they were with this couple over here and uh, yeah. there was a lot of a lot of um infidelity i didn't like that um mm -hmm. there was a lot of um just whatever whatever goes goes you know right I, I was not used to that that was not who i was as a person and and i didn't like that so um i met this girl who came into my store i knew her from junior high school and we started talking and uh she was actually two years older than i am and um we met in September and got married in November. Oh, wow. Were you yeah. in love with her or were you just wanting a normal no. life? No, I was not. I was, I was, I was not. I love her. Um, but no, I was not. Um, after we got married about, um, within not two years, but over a year, um, I started seeing someone, and uh, we split up and um let me back up you okay so did she know that you were gay going into the marriage uh, no judgment not, i'm just wondering i i can't answer that i don't okay. know she should have known if she didn't <laughs> well that's that's hard for straight people truly straight people are pretty clueless sometimes but yeah, when you well, think you it know, might be I obvious always, when, when I first met her, I honestly thought she was a lesbian. Okay. Um, because she was butch, kind of. She always had a really short hair cut. She did not wear dresses. She always wore, wore blue jeans, you know. She was a nurse. Okay. Um, and she just, um, you know, she loved sports. Okay. Loved, so were you guys loved... going to church together? Did you have a religious life at this time? or No. Okay, you just married. We were different religions. That was an issue from the beginning. Um, so when so... you when you, when you you started seeing somebody, you start seeing another lady or another man? Oh, I saw a guy. I, okay. I, a guy first, and that's why I broke up with him. Um, actually, he broke up with me. And then after that, probably three to six months or so after that's when she came into my store. Right. And you married her two months later. And then after about Correct. a year of being married, you started oh, yes, seeing yes, somebody. Yes, I started seeing a guy. Okay. Yes. That's what I was asking. Yes. Okay. Yes. I started seeing a guy um, who was um, a big liar, um, a big, um, he and his family preyed on people. Okay. Um, I didn't find this out until much later, but his mom and dad were all in on everything that he did and they preyed on people. And, um, anyway, so during that time, my parents and my ex-wife had me picked up on a psych um 72 hour cycle for why um because i was not being who they believed me to be you mean because you were um, seeing a guy because i was seeing a guy okay interesting um, yeah because i quit caring about everything that i had cared about um quit quit you know just kind of walked away um and so uh, the sheriff's department picked me up and they were supposed to be taking me to a hospital in Monroe for a 72 hour site hold. And instead they carried me to South Louisiana to the Louisiana state mental hospital. And this is because I you're, I want to make sure this is because you're having an affair. Yep. And it was so outside of what they thought could happen. I mean, were you still going to work and providing for your family? I mean, did you just quit? I'm just I didn't have for a our listeners. Too. I'm just we didn't have kids at this right. point. At this point, I'm just trying to get. I mean, did you quit your job? Did you do? I did. I you, I, I quit. I just walked away from. Everything. You just walked away, and you were going to be with this guy. A, I kind of had a mental break. Okay, because um, I'm just trying to see if there's any. Just so people don't think every time somebody's gay, they send them to a psych ward. I'm just trying to get the rest of the 
well, the, the background behind why they would go to that extreme. So they, they went to that extreme because they were, they, well, they're, 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 what they said was is that they were worried that I was going to kill myself. So that was the pretense of getting and, a judge to sign this order. And did they know did that they, you were seeing somebody? Yes. Was he taking your money or you said he was preying on people? Was he somebody yeah, just looking for a target? Definitely, definitely did. Um, I did some really stupid things during that time. Okay. I, I signed my life insurance over to him. Oh God. I, I, okay. I did some, yeah, I did some really, some really questionable things. So was that because you were so desperate for male companionship? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, and so I went to, I went there and I was interviewed by the head of the psych department and, um, so I tried to, I thought, you know, I can explain this to him. He'll understand, you know, this is my parents. My, my, my um, wife wants me to come back home. Um, and this is all because I'm gay. And he said, so you're gay? And I said, yes, I am. He said, well, then you need some help. Oh, and wow. he said, you have two choices. You can sign yourself in. And you will be here a minimum of 30 days or I can sign you in and you'll be here indefinitely. Because at that time, if you were gay, you had to have a mental issue. Absolutely. In okay. Louisiana, for sure. Wow. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. Okay. I'm going to edit this part out because i got to go to the bathroom. Okay. All those margarita coolers. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, right. or extremely sinful. I mean, I just don't. That's. That's just not who God is. I don't believe yeah. that. Do, 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 are, are there examples of that in the Old Testament? Yes. Yeah. But there's a whole lot that's happened since the Old Testament. Yeah. And, 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 and we do not, you know, there, it, things are not the same. Um, you, can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't live under the Old Testament and the New Testament at the same time. No, uh, you know, and that's like, oh, there's so many conversations I want to have on this podcast, but I, um, I think we need to do a part two from okay. when you finally left your marriage, because I know when I sat with you and I accidentally forgot to record part of this, so this would be hysterical, but you know, it's my podcast. They say the first 100 are crap, not in content so much, but in just the presentation, but this is why it's the authentic dog. Uh, authentic Deb podcast. I think what I like to do is wrap this part up, but then have a separate podcast because I think it really deserves its own hour of like I know the stuff, or at least I remember, you know, in bits and pieces, the absolute horror story of what you told me after the marriage with the right. kids and with right. all of that. And I think that. If that's okay with you, there's really a part two to the story because you've been through hell, you know, and at this point we're, we're skirting around the, just even the getting there, you know, as far as you've, you've, I mean, I'm blown away that they put you in jail. Absolutely blown away. Um, but if there's one thing I hear from that is that nobody in this time frame. So let's see, right. I graduated 1981, you're a couple years older than me. So we're talking about being 18 around 78, 79. Correct. Right. And then you were married by what, 21, 22? 21. Okay. So we're right up uh, right around 1982, 83, Correct. right around Correct. the time I graduated high school. Now I graduated high school in Washington State, which is not quite so backwoods as far as Louisiana. Or Oklahoma at that time because the region that you're in makes a big difference as well it does but hey just it's like you know the topic is can you pray the gay away but at this point we could change the title of this to you know can you make science go away I mean these people are just thinking that you have something that has to be fixed you know it's like there's not even a concept for that this is just how you were made you know, no, not, um, not whatsoever. So, yeah. So I think that deserves a part two, if you're okay with that, where sure. we, where we can really kind of un, unpack this. Cause this is a lot for people to even 
get to that point of, I mean, okay, yeah, you were doing some stupid things and you're, you, you were conned by a guy who's probably not gay, um, signing over your life insurance and all that. I think that would scare the hell. If my wife did that or my husband, that would scare the hell out of me too. Like, yeah. holy cow, what is going on? But still, it's, it's mind-blowing that the, the cultural, like it's almost what I'm hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, you grew up with this inbred, innate cultural shame about, oh, definitely. about being gay that God, even though you're like, God, make me straight, it's like it's almost second place to just the, is it even safe to be a gay man? Are you going to end up like Matthew Shepard shot and hung to a wall or, you know, I mean the, the, the true, especially growing up in the South, like that danger of, of being a gay man in the early, early eighties. Well, see, you're saying that now. Um, so that the time that I was, well, I remember I told you I had the, the boyfriend when I was 18. Right. Okay. There was uh, two gay men in my hometown that were beaten by a gang of young straight men mm -hmm. um, with baseball bats. Um, one of them was hospitalized for three months. Um, the other one was just very lucky. Um but that that so yeah the yeah the whole the whole mentality um that i grew up with anybody in school that anybody thought was gay they were harassed they were picked on they were shunned um even by teachers yeah so it sounds like although god is an issue or the bigger issue is just survival survival in the culture of the south yeah. right um, maybe as we get into part two of your story, maybe God comes in there somewhere in the middle, but that's what I'm hearing. So correct me if I'm wrong, just like the, the stigma. De definitely stigma, but there was also the, 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 the growing up with, um, of the sin aspect of, yeah. of, of sex outside of marriage. Okay. And the, the thought of, the thought of um, two men or two women being married wasn't even like demon on the radar. Something to be cast out. No, I, it was never even uh, no one. I've never even heard, never even thought about it. Yeah. Because that was not, that wasn't in the realm of reality. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, um, for me growing up, anything any any type of sex outside of marriage was completely taboo you know um that's yeah. that's your hellbound yeah so, wow um e even even straight couples you know yeah you just and didn't. i didn't really grow up in that not that i you know so i mean i was spared some things but we'll definitely do a part two so let me ask okay. you some what's uh we're going to make it light today. When we do part okay. two, I'll ask the more serious questions. Okay, sounds good. The first question I want to ask is if you could go anywhere and live and money was no object, where would you go and what would you be doing? I would live in Key West, Florida, <laughs> and I would be on the beach every day. Okay. Would you be doing any type of entrepreneurial thing or would you just be hanging out living the right life of the rich? Um. You know, I probably, I, I, we, we love our embroidery business. I don't think I will ever part with that. Okay. Um, it's fun. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's very therapeutic. Good. And so, um, yeah, I think we probably think always have that. that's an important thing to know, too, because money isn't everything. I think money, I'd like more of it. I think money gives you the vehicle to do the things you want. But that doesn't mean you stop working or doing things that you're passionate about. Money well, look, doesn't mean that I know some very wealthy people. I've known some really, really wealthy people in my life, and um, the ones that I that I've known pretty close are have never been happy with money. 
Yeah, because money can't make you happy. Money's brought them money's more, brought them more problems than it has happiness. Money will get me the house on the beach in Key West, but I still want to do podcasts. There you go. I help people. Okay, yeah. number two, here's my question I've been asking everybody lately, which you are stranded on an island. Britain's not with you. It's just you. You're stranded on an island, and you've been given the gift of Dr. Doolittle. So you can talk to all the animals, the birds, the fishes, the dolphins, the whales. You can talk to everything. So you're like a Aquaman and Dr. Doolittle all together. And you can talk to the ants, everything. And so they look at you, and they have deemed you king of the Kenaniah. And they make you a little throne and everything. And they're all gathered around. So I want you to picture this. You're on an island. Uh, and they're all gathered around for your first edict. So it's a two-part question. The first thing is, uh, what's your first edict to all the animal, all the wildlife? What's my first what? Edict, your first decree as king of the island. Oh, my. <laughs> Everyone's vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have no eating of the other animals. Everyone's a vegetarian. <laughs> okay, and so my second, my second question of that was, what species of animal will you pick to be at your right hand that's going to help you carry out your decrees? Um, on land or in the sea? It doesn't matter. You're the king. Dolphin. Okay, dolphin. you're going to pick the dolphin, and why? Um, I've always been fascinated with them. I think um, when I was a kid and... Flipper was on. I love um, that show. I, I always wanted to go and and see Flipper, and I just I think they're you know they're super intelligent. First of yeah. all, they're they're curious. I'm a very curious person. I I'm a Gemini, and I have so many curiosities in the okay. world. I, I I'm I'm easily bored, and they can go. <laughs> all over the place so, and they're just you know they love to look and see it see yeah things. i've so, just always been i've always been attracted to them it so will be very really interesting cool. to see how the dolphins in the water who also eat meat carry out your vegetarian decree but they're smart enough they'll figure they'll figure something out third questions if you were offered a million dollars tax-free to ski naked down a hill would you do it Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not just yes, but hell yes. Okay. Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me up. Go tell Britain. <laughs> I am not bashful. <laughs> <laughs> Would Britain do it? Oh, hell yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we just signed him up for naked skiing down a hill. Oh, girl, he, he would know be that? all for it. He'd be all for it. Well, I haven't met him yet, but that's funny. Okay, so to wrap this first part one of part of two-part series with you, what question do you want to ask me? It could be funny, serious, or whatever. Okay, so I have followed you guys from the time you left Oregon. Was it Oregon or Washington? Washington. Washington. And kept up with you as you had your trials and tribulations with getting over mountains and oh, getting God, everywhere scary. and yeah. staying with different people and and doing everything that you've done. And you guys gave it, um, I know you gave it a full year. Yeah, 18 months. 18 months. 18 months. Okay. Um and then you um, you settled in Houston, mm -hmm. and now you have purchased a small place in Arkansas. Correct. Why Arkansas? Well, it's right on the border, so it's Texarkana. We wanted to stay in Texas. Susan was born in um, Susan was born in Texarkana, Texas, because oh, she, okay. she was raised in Haworth, Hayworth. Oklahoma, which is uh, just hour and 90 minutes, you know. Yeah. Um, so she has, um, of her remaining, uh, her mom and dad are dead. Her brother is gone. But of her remaining family that she's close to, she has a cousin in Texarkana. And then her aunt and her other cousins all live in the Broken Bow, Hayworth, Idabel area. So I know where that's at. we wanted to be closer to family. And now one of her other close cousins 
her one cousin lives five minutes from us. Uh, we wanted to be on the Texas side, but when we were looking at houses, we're literally like five miles over the border. Um, that's how we ended up in Arkansas. But we, uh, I wanted to buy a beach house or a beach condo, and um, but she was worried about hurricanes. So this was our kind of happy medium. We may still try to purchase something that we use as an Airbnb later because I'm a beach person, but I've really grown to love the country. Um, but that's why to be close to family, to retire um, close to family. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Makes yeah. Sense. So tell us a little bit about your business, what the website is. I'll get it in the notes as well, but tell us a little bit about that before we wrap up. Okay. So our business name is Savannah Stitches. Um, we, we started it because we moved to Savannah. Um, we specialize in vintage trucker hats. It looks and feels like an old hat, but it's brand new. Mm -hmm. um, they have a really soft backing. Uh, okay. And so we've been told by many people it's the most comfortable hat they've ever owned. Um, and so we have hundreds of different sayings on them. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now we are doing a fundraiser for Feeding America. Okay. Um, raising funds to help um, put food in food banks okay. all across America. So our hat is called 2020 Strong. Um, I'll send you a copy of it so you can okay. see what it looks like. Um, actually, I may have. I think I saw it on Facebook today, but I didn't know what it was. I just saw it. Yeah, so, that's, Strong. so I posted that. that it, we just came out with that today. Um, and so we're raising um, every sale. We're giving 25% of the sale price, not of our net, mm -hmm. but of the actual sale price of the hat mm -hmm. um, directly to um, Feeding America. Okay. Is that for um, a certain it, length it of a, time? Or? A, pardon me? Is that for a certain length of time? Um, as long as we sell them. Okay. I'm just wondering because I'm not sure where I'm going to post the podcast. So, so, so we did a fundraiser for South, for South, um, um, the Panama city area for the, um, 805 area code. And okay. it was called 805 strong. And okay. we gave, we gave money there to, uh, a hurricane relief effort. Um, we gave about, Three thousand dollars, awesome. Um, in sales from 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 that hat. That's amazing. And so the lady that that um, asked us if we would do that made this suggestion that we do this to feeding America because so many people are hungry right now. Yes. So yeah. The the food pantries across America are struggling to keep up with requests. Yeah. And so this is uh, just a chance for us to give back for what God's done for us. It's, it's God has blessed us over and beyond our wildest imaginations. That's awesome. And time and time again, um, when I have people in my life from long ago that still do not believe that I'm a Christian or that I can go to heaven, and I can give them example after example after example of things that only God could do. Right. That if you believe in God, then you know when something comes from him. That's you right. You know that it's, there's not a possibility of it being um, a Man coincidence. Made. Right. And he has done that so many times for Britain and I. And so this is just our giving back That's for awesome. what God has done for us. Well, what's the website? Is it savannastitches.com? It's savannastitchesinc.com. Okay. Uh -huh. And do you have a Facebook page or anything or just We do have a Facebook page and we have an Etsy page. Oh, okay. Well, when so you send me you, your buyer. You, mm -hmm. If you click, if you go to savannastitchesinc.com, it will take you to Etsy where okay. we have all of our hats listed. And do you or create you can, them? Are you creating the design or how are you? This is, I'm just curious. So are you in Britain designing them on software and sending them out or are you doing the embroidery? What are you doing? Okay. So we come up with the ideas. Mm -hmm. We send, we send our, we, we make up our ideas on, on the computer. Then we send them off to be digitized mm -hmm. so that the embroidery machine will recognize it. 
and then we embroidery the hats. We so you're hand embroidering them yourselves. You've yes, got the stock are. in your house. And so yes. I guess my question is, so you're drawing it out or do you have a graphic designer that works with you to make them come to life? Well, the digitizer is what makes it come to life. Uh, but we, we, we take Britain mainly, um, we come up with ideas together. He pieces them together on a computer, mm -hmm. on, on a, on a, a program. And okay. then he takes that and sends that to a digitizer that is in Pakistan, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then they have to, sometimes it takes us a week to tweak it, to get it right because there's a big language barrier. Yeah. Um, uh, but they, they make it so that the machine recognizes what color to do when and how all okay. of it has to be done. Awesome. And then we get that back and we take and put that into the, program that into the computer we have to tell the computer what what numbers needle goes to what color we you know I mean there's a lot of programming involved in wow and you guys did that all from the ground up didn't you yes we did so it's a learning thing so we could have a whole different podcast just about that because I love hearing entrepreneurial stories but for tonight I, I think Susan even walked in the door I thank you so much we will definitely uh, do part two Okay, big hugs to Susan. Love All you right. guys. Thanks, Ken and Aya.